0: Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, greetings, friends. Pro-life leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life, and welcome to our time of prayer and scripture together. Let's come into his presence and ask his blessing. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We come to you, Lord God, humbly aware of our own sinfulness, for which we once again repent. We resolve to live without sin. We resolve to follow your commandments. We resolve to live in the Spirit as new creations in Christ. Lord, we resolve to spread your word, to advance your kingdom, to defend life, especially the most vulnerable, the unborn to maintain unity with one another in the bond of truth and peace. Lord, we ask you, give us an understanding of your word into which we now delve, which we now open our ears to, to which we now incline our hearts in obedient faith. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, the reading for today is uh, from the Gospel of St. Matthew. Today, the church honors St. James, the brother of John. He's called James the Greater because there's another apostle by the name of James, the Lesser. And we have these uh, apostles constituting the inner circle of Jesus' chosen 12 leaders, Peter, James, and John. We see them called aside to witness things like the transfiguration and the agony in the garden as well as certain miracles of Jesus. And today we have the gospel story about the mother of James and John approaching Jesus. Let's read from Matthew chapter 20. The mother of the sons of Zebedee approached Jesus with her sons and did him homage, wishing to ask him for something. He said to her, What do you wish? She answered him, Command that these two sons of mine sit, one at your right and the other at your left, in your kingdom. Jesus said in reply, You do not know what you are asking. Can you drink the chalice that I am going to drink? They said to him, We can. He replied, My chalice you will indeed drink. But to sit at my right and at my left this is not mine to give, but is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. When the ten heard this, they became indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus summoned them and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and the great ones make their authority over them felt, but it shall not be so among you. Rather, whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just so, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life, as a ransom for many. Brothers and sisters, our Christian faith revolutionizes the concept of leadership, therefore revolutionizes our understanding of politics, of leadership in the state, as well as our understanding of how church leadership is to be exercised. Think about our politics for a moment. Where does sovereignty in America rest? And what was the new idea that the founding of America brought into the universe of human politics? The new idea was that authority would not rest in one man, a king, that the people deemed to have that authority directly from God, so that if the king spoke, it was God speaking. American founders revolutionized this idea and said, no, the sovereignty will rest with the people. Now, these were men who believed in the word of God. There was no source that they used in the drafting of the American Declaration and Constitution more frequently than the Bible. That was their most utilized source understanding the dynamics that would be in play in founding a government and in having a people govern themselves. And so rooted particularly in the teaching we heard in this gospel passage, they realized that authority was not to make itself felt, that the Lord Jesus said, they lord it over them, their great ones, let's put the words here, make their authority felt. Felt. I want you to know that I'm boss. I want you to know that I'm in charge. Even if I abuse you. Even if I'm a hypocrite. Even if I apply one standard to you and a different standard to your neighbor. Even if I violate your human rights. I am in charge. I will make my authority felt. Very often the way they make their authority felt is precisely to do injustice to us. And make us realize we can't do anything about it. They act as gods. And our founders brought into being a political system that said that the people's voices matter, that their votes matter, that their lobbying matters. The old pagan view of government was that the law proceeds from the mouth of the king. The king gets up in the morning, issues a decree. Maybe he had a bad dream. Maybe he has a stomachache. Maybe he has a headache. Maybe he just feels like he wants to throw his authority around. He issues a decree. People gave, had no input into it. People have no recourse against it. He issues it. That's the law. The lawmaking process that our founders set up, on the other hand, depended on electing public officials at different times so that they couldn't be all elected at once, with a lawmaking body on the state level, consisting furthermore with the exception of of one state, Nebraska, consisting of two houses that have to be in agreement, a House of Representatives, a Senate, and then a separately elected governor, elected on a separate timetable, that would then have to agree with the House and with the Senate on that specific law, the making of which would involve the input of every citizen who wants to have input to it, and then hearings and witnesses, and amendments, and expiration dates. That law furthermore being subject to the decisions of a court if people thought that that law violated their rights, and to the prescriptions of a constitution separately established for that state, in the boundaries of which that law would have to abide, and furthermore subject to restrictions on the federal level, which has its own lawmaking body, also consisting of a House and of a Senate, elected on different timetables that also have to agree on legislation that has to be signed by a president also elected on a different timetable against any of which the federal courts could also rule if that law violated the rights of the citizens. Wow! What a difference from the law proceeds from the mouth of the king. And all of this because the people matter. And why did they have this idea that the people matter? Let's listen to this passage again. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and the great ones make their authority over them felt. But it shall not be so among you. Whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you, shall be your slave authority under Jesus Christ becomes service who is Jesus lord of all god from god light from light true god from true god begotten not made consubstantial with the Father. And yet this God who possesses and always possessed and always will possess all authority over all the nations did not deem, and this is what Paul writes to the Philippians, did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at, or rather emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. Being born in the likeness of men, it was thus that he humbled himself, obediently accepting even death, death on the cross. And therefore God highly exalted him. He did not exalt himself. We are not to exalt ourselves, even if we have positions of authority. Authority becomes service. And how did our founders concretize that in the founding documents of America? Well, they gave us a declaration that said our rights In fact, our very existence comes from God. He's our creator. He's the giver of our rights. And that governments exist to secure those rights. There's the service. The service that our founding fathers implemented in their structure of government that we've inherited and that I'm telling you is inspired by the Christian vision of authority is to secure these rights. This is the Declaration of Independence's language, and first among those rights, life. Brothers and sisters, this is also where the truth comes in, that those who govern, govern only with the consent of the governed. This idea that the king is God is turned upside down by a God who humbles himself to become one of us, serves us by shedding his blood, and setting us free from sin and death. Remember how he also dramatically conveyed this teaching when at the Last Supper he rose from the table, took off his garment in a sign of divesting himself of That heavenly glory, wrapped a towel around himself as a sign of investing himself with our humanity, and went around to his disciples, poured water into a basin, symbolizing the pouring out of blood and water from the cross, and washing their feet, symbolizing the cleansing that you and I have in the shed blood of Christ. This is service. This is service. Not only securing the rights of the people, which we see in government authority, but securing the salvation of the people. So this is is what governance is supposed to be about. If people are running for public office seeking your vote, we need to make sure that they're seeking this in order to serve you and me. Church authority... Well, this has to be exercised the same way, friends. This is, these are the first bishops we're talking about here who were ambitious. Humility and service likewise have to mark church authority, not throwing your weight around or being ecclesiastical tyrants. Our founders founded this nation precisely to get away from tyranny, So it should be in our civil government, so must it be in church government. Respect for the people you serve, not just this one-sided focus on, oh, I have authority, oh, I have to be obeyed. Yeah, and the people over whom you have authority also have to be respected. Brothers and sisters, let's appreciate how the Christian gospel has revolutionized politics, How it has revolutionized government, how it stands at the core of representative government. And let's defend that and let's model that in our own lives and by our own votes. Let's turn back to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this example. Thank you for this teaching. Thank you for this truth. We pray for all who are in elected office, for all who are seeking such office in these upcoming elections. We thank you, Lord, for those who are indeed living the Christian understanding of government and respecting the rights of the people. Bless them all. Lord, give conversion to our leaders who need conversion and give strength, ongoing strength, to those leaders who are truly serving us the greatness of America. Thank you for President Donald Trump, the good he has done, the good he continues to do, the vision he lays out for our country and for our freedom, protecting us from the current tyranny that is embodied in the Democrat party. Protect all of us, Lord, give us blessings of health, wisdom, discernment, consolation, and sorrow. And we now pray for all these things in the words Jesus gave us, our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for joining me for these, this time of prayer and reading the Word of God. Blessings to you. Continue to connect with us on social media at Frank Pavone. You know the address. Let me put it down here once again on all the major platforms at FR Frank Pavone and uh, spread the word about our programs as well. Let's continue growing our online audience. Be assured of our prayers for you. We'll talk to you soon. Hello, this is Father David Begany, one of the many members of Priests for Life. This organization is one of the largest and most visible pro-life ministries in the world. Priest, the Priest for Life team relies on your financial support to be able to do its work, produce its programs, and travel the world to advocate for the unborn. May I ask you to support Priest for Life generously? Go today to ProLifeGift.org and give us as generous a gift as you can. Thank you for your kindness and be assured of our prayers for you every day.